Our passion reading this evening comes from Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 17. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful, began to say to one, one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die, With you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. O Lord, this evening we begin looking at Psalm 32, another penitential psalm written by David. It's in your bulletin, so you can follow along. I'll be reading from part of it to begin with. From Psalm 32. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear brothers and sisters, here in Psalm 32, David speaks of God as a hiding place, as a rock of refuge, as high ground that is safe from the rising waters. He says, surely in the rush of great waters... They shall not reach him. 
I picture here a powerful river moving through a canyon, swollen from spring rains and runoff, the swift current sweeps away everything in its path, almost everything. There's a rock, a giant boulder, standing in the river. And no matter how hard that water rages, no matter how hard it pounds against that rock, the rock is not moved, and the river has to move around it. And the one whose sin has been forgiven is safe there on that rock. God is his refuge. Now a river can be more dangerous than it seems. Whenever my family is near a river, my kids want to get in it. They first start by asking if they can touch it with their hands, then they ask if they can take their shoes off, and pretty soon they just want to wade right into it. But we warn them, we tell them, watch out. That current is stronger than you think. It's stronger than it looks. You may think you could just go walking into it, but that current will pull you down and suck you in, and you won't be able to get out. During this season of Lent, we are reminded that our sin, like that river, is more dangerous, more deadly than we think. What we think about, the things we allow ourselves to say, the things we look at, they may seem like small things, but they can quickly sweep us away. A small thing like an impatient word, a quick glance at something your eyes should not be looking at, a small lie. Satan tells us that these things are harmless, but our sin is more dangerous than we think. Our sin never leaves us where we are. It's always pulling us out deeper into the middle of the stream, the middle where the current is so strong we won't be able to stand. These are dangerous waters, and people who are stronger and better than you and me have been swept away from their families, from their jobs, from their churches. Ultimately, Satan wants to sweep us away from God. What do we do when we find ourselves in the river, pulled under by the current, and tumbling along? Satan has all kinds of ways that he tries to keep us in. The rock of refuge is right there, just a couple arm lengths away, jutting out into the river. But Satan tells us to cover up our sin, justify it, pretend we're okay, keep that sin under wraps, and hide it from God, from our friends and our families, from our pastors. And so instead of hiding ourselves in Jesus, our rock, we're tempted to hide from him, to swim the other direction. If our sins seem small to us, Satan tells us, don't worry about it. You don't need to confess that. It's not a big deal. As soon as they grow into something bigger, our pride kicks in. And we can't admit that we're wrong or we're afraid 
that our sin is too big for God to forgive us. And so instead of confessing our sins and hiding ourselves in Jesus, we're tempted to slip and tumble right past that rock of refuge that's sitting right there in the stream. There was a time in the life of King David when he was being swept away from God in a torrential flood of his own sin. This had started with small things for him too. Instead of going off to war with his armory, he was home with nothing to do. He looked out and he saw another man's wife, Bathsheba. And then he summoned her to him. And before he knew it, he was swept away in that river of sin. He tried to get out. He used deception and then murder. And of course, these things only sucked him in further. Now, David knew God's law. He knew that these things were wrong and that they were destructive. And he knew that God was a God of love and forgiveness. What was keeping David from confessing his sin? What was keeping David from reaching out and grabbing that rock of refuge that was right there? Here's the problem, and it's the same problem for you and me. When we're in the river, it's really hard for us to preach God's law and gospel to ourselves. In fact, God doesn't intend for us to be preaching to ourselves. We have this picture of the Christian life, especially as Americans, we have this image in our heads of Christian life as being us sitting alone, reading our Bible, just us and God. And that is a good thing for us to do, but that's not the full picture of what God intends for us. We can't preach to ourselves. It's very difficult for us to take God's word and apply it to ourselves. And so God has given us the gift of each other. Other Christians who speak God's word to us, who speak his law, confront us with our sin, and who speak his gospel to us. Brothers and sisters who hear our confession of sin and then speak God's word of forgiveness to us. And so as David was swept along in that river of his sin, God intervened by sending another man to him. By sending Nathan the prophet. Nathan waded out into that river. He grabbed David. And he confronted him with his sin. And it probably wasn't what David wanted in the moment. But it was exactly what David needed. And David repented. He confessed his sin. And he believed the forgiveness that was given to him by Nathan. The very forgiveness of God himself. In our catechism, we read about the office of the keys. The office of the keys is that special authority which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners, but to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. Where is this written? This is what St. John the Evangelist writes in chapter 20. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, 
receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. We receive this treasure at the beginning of our worship services when we all together confess our sins to God. And then the pastor standing up front, who we've called, who, who has been chosen by God to, uh, to do this on our behalf, he stands in front of us and he speaks the words of absolution. When your pastor says, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. It is the very forgiveness of Christ himself. It's a beautiful thing that we can stand and confess our sins and receive God's forgiveness all together as a family at the same time. It's a beautiful thing. But it can be hard for us to believe sometimes that God's forgiveness is really for us. And so when that happens, when you're burdened by your sin, or if you know you're forgiven, but it keeps haunting you, you lie awake at night, Shocked at yourself that you could have done something so horrible. Could that forgiveness really be for me? That's when private confession, just you and your pastor, is a wonderful opportunity for you to hear the words of forgiveness applied so directly to you that you can't escape. You're the only other one in the room. Yes, it's for you. The forgiveness of Jesus is so abundant, so reckless, that yes, it covers even your sin. Jesus is the rock, the boulder jutting out in the river so that the river has to bend around it. He forced his way into the river of our sin when he was baptized in the Jordan. He walked right into that river and he took our sins on himself and he took them to the cross where he destroyed the power of sin. And in his resurrection, he stands there, still our rock of refuge. Satan wants you to miss that rock of refuge, so he'll try to get you to hide from Jesus instead of hiding in Jesus. He'll try to tell you your sin is too small to worry about or it's too big to be forgiven. In these moments, don't try to preach to yourself. Find another Christian to speak God's law and gospel to you. Go to your pastor to confess your sin and hear the words of forgiveness. Again from Psalm 32. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters... They shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. In the name of Jesus, our refuge. Amen.